0: hello and welcome back to the vanquishers guide i'm randy
1: and i'm bryce hello people
2: hello people and i'm bradley (laughs)
1: Copycat. (laughs) so shameful of you
2: how dare you
0: come up with something original get to come up with your own
2: i um, (laughs) if you didn't know i'm on a podcast that does um retellings of stuff that's already in existence so (laughs) that's the most original thing ever that's crazy, that's, man!
1: I've never heard of that before. Yeah, start, start doing, doing that. That's
2: podcast. It's a pretty interesting. Uh, <laughs> it's actually the best podcast on the market right now for um, learning about folklore and creatures, and uh, oh, yeah. especially like card game creatures. It's it's really good. I was gonna say specifically gnomes, actually. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Well,
0: card
1: actually, game creatures like since... there's no lore to that. Get out of here.
2: Oh, I guess you're right. Little do you know. You guys are doing the most subtle setup
0: I've ever heard in my life. It was so well done. Uh, so this week we're actually gonna be talking about a card game creature Wait. Um, a a yeah, it's a little known series. Nobody's really have, have like it's not doesn't yeah, have the biggest. It's pretty play, minor.
1: Right? I mean like yeah. it's pretty forgotten, honestly. Like yeah,
0: it was the the card game started out in like the eighties, nineties, and it was like pretty cool back then, but like it's kind of died off recently. Uh, we're talking about Magic: <laughs> The Gathering,
1: <laughs> and no, uh, which then... is
0: not a dead, a dying game. Very, very much yeah, alive. Yeah,
1: it's very, very much alive, bigger and better than ever, I suppose.
0: Yes, very sarcastic. But so with that, we're talking about a creature type in that series that's called Slivers, which are very. I hate cool.
1: those things. They get stuck on uh, my fingers let's... at work, and then I. Yep it's terrible
2: i hate them for different reasons i hate them because randy has a deck of them and i don't know what you're talking about every single time
0: that's that's just nonsense high propaganda
1: yeah. <laughs> whenever randy pulls out his sliver deck i'm just like all right i can um uh, i can probably play like three lands and then i'm just gonna like start another game <laughs> just start you
0: all again, over too. it's that's the most exciting way to play isn't it you just play a couple lands and then you just start over
1: quick and painless <laughs> uh uh-huh. uh
0: yeah so this week we're talking about slivers not splinters or slizzers or slizzards which is from that song which i still don't know what it is
1: oh uh. but- it's probably a drink or something, but regardless. I, don't,
0: I think I've done research, or I've like looked up a little bit, and I could not find anything of what that is in that song. I have no idea what she's talking about. But Maybe
1: it just rhymed, you know? It
0: probably was just a word she thought rhymed <laughs> and thought sounded good. And just it's totally nonsense. nonsense. It
1: just rhymes, though. I mean, bourne, you know? You need to rhyme <laughs> with orange? Just do <laughs>
0: Uh I mean, which one's worse? Making up a word, or just rhyming a word with itself? I don't know. Yeah, which is egregious. I, I was,
1: I would say rhyming a word with itself, because if somebody calls you out and is like, Hey, what the heck is a slitzer? I Googled it and it's nonsense. You'd be like, no, no, no. It's just like between me and my friends. It's like this yeah. awesome drink. You got to try it.
0: <laughs> and then you just got to on the fly, make up a drink.
1: <laughs> yeah, And then just be like, yeah, it's just a uh, Coca-Cola and rum.
2: And you're like, wait, <laughs> That's, that already exists. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to tell, say a fact without a punchline Ooh. that has a punchline. So I apologize for the lack of a punchline this is like um, the beginning of a joke
0: it sounds great it is
2: it, it, this whole thing is the beginning of the joke without an end um it's like my life. so i just saw a tiktok Oof. girl who's a biogenicist, maybe or something like that um she was saying cool. like how funny she thinks the argument that orange has no word that rhymes with it and she named three that were all like really scientific names and like sure. uh-huh. no one should know and i don't know them so that's The fact that I don't have a punchline to the joke because I don't know them off the top of my hand, I'd have to scroll through my likes. But like, Uh well, apparently are are actual
1: words. Are they like in a similar length to orange? Because if you do like orange and then like 20 other syllables... (laughs) Yeah, that's
0: true. (laughs) It does
2: need to be a similar syllable size for it. It it, it felt right. I don't know. (laughs) So we're going to make like an educational rap. I I wasn't going to gonna argue with the biogenicist. so that's fair. that's fair i don't
1: know man like i think there's some there's something to that like if you're a biogenicist out there whatever start rapping with all your like scientific <laughs> like <laughs> amino acids and stuff man wow
0: right? i mean be if dope. you're a scientist in general just start rapping with the scientific names of stuff and no one could be able to like argue it i mean other scientists probably could but normal people would not be able to argue with you about what i mean you also have like
1: not a great start to your rat name of doctor
0: (laughs) (laughs) there you go so anyway uh unfortunately we will not be having any uh doctors in this though we will be talking about a zoologist which is kind of like a biogenesis maybe i honestly don't know what biogenesis do but kind of sounds like a zoologist
1: something like a zoologist probably
2: probably i mean i'm sure they met in college once or twice probably yeah yeah, yeah. they Maybe probably have like couple one of or two classes, classes together, together yeah uh, yeah so with that we're talking about slivers
0: you guys have at least a decent knowledge about slivers uh, but how much do you know about like the actual lore behind them do you are you uh pretty rusty on the origins of them or where were you i at? have read some of the flavor
2: texts hey there you go that's
1: That's about it Uh, i'm i'm pretty much the same like i mean i've seen some of like i know that they're like kind of like a weird hive mind Uh type thing yeah but they always look freaking weird and like tentacly and like have pokey bits and (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah they are definitely a nonsense looking creature like i mean to be fair the magic universe is full of nonsense looking creatures with just like weird shapes and sizes but these guys like they don't yeah. look. They look half finished. They look like they're in the progress of being created or in the process of growing, which is yeah. I kind it's... of feel like they're whole. Like that's kind of the idea behind them. Like, which will, yeah. it, it's kind of one of my favorite things about them. Slivers are a really unique creature in Magic in that, like, so most creatures in Magic, they all like each card specifically has a ability on them that makes that creature sp- special. And those cards could, like, those abilities are specific to that creature type. They could be that, like, they're really strong. Some can fly. Some will deal, like, poisonous damage and stuff like that. And just let you win the game, like, almost instantly. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. So, like, each creature in Magic, they all have different abilities that are, like, innately part of their card or part of their creature type, specifically. Slivers, on the other hand, have an odd ability where each like specific brand or, or subtype of Sliver has their own special ability, but they all ha- also all share a separate ability that allows them to share abilities amongst each other. So if one Sliver uh, yeah. has flying, for example, every other Sliver can learn flying from that guy and they'll all get it. So Slivers have a really neat ability in Magic where they all kind of power each other up and they just become this giant snowball of death. Which well, is really neat.
1: Well, that's an cool. awesome image, by the way. But, uh, <laughs> so they're just a bunch of cheaters. They're just cheating well, off each other's homework.
2: Well, exactly. Like about that is like, by themselves, they're like a mediocre creature at best. Uh-huh. That's because that they give their abilities to other people. Other like slivers is what makes them like really good cards. Exactly. Because yeah. By themselves, you know, like... a. Sorry if this is like going too in-depth or whatever. Like a five mana creature that is just like a two two with like double strike or something like as a sliver that's a would i mean maybe it's not that best maybe it's like a four mana card or something but like it's just like a mediocre card but like if like because any other card you could have like a two mana one one with double strike or something which is just a better card in general but because it's a sliver and gives to everything else it's just a you know that's what makes slivers so good also just get so um, much better you began your statement about it with this saying many creatures in magic the gathering. I thought you were going to pull a professor and say many magic the gathering creatures. <laughs> <laughs> that was no. kind of <laughs> Many magic the gathering anyway.
0: <laughs> uh, that is a reference to a popular magic the gathering YouTuber that uh every single episode he's like you video that he starts starts with that exact like intonation and like yep. <laughs> story so it's a little annoying to me i don't i'm not a huge fan of it but i mean to each their own um so yeah slivers are a very unique creature type in that they're able to share all of their abilities with each other and so because of that like they are a hive mind so they all are able to kind of communicate with each other and they all think as one basically super creature with a bunch of different appendages but they there is kind of a drawback to that ability uh, in gameplay-wise, that is. In World, it's not really that big of a deal because all slivers are all in one hive and all of one mind, and it doesn't make... They're all fighting together uniformly. But in for gameplay, the trouble is is slivers on my side of the battlefield, slivers that I control, give all of my guys powerful abilities, and they all get, get stronger. But the problem is, is all of my guys also make all of your guys stronger as well because... All slivers give all other slivers abilities. And so, because of that, in a while, I, yeah, because they just, like, if I'm playing slivers and you end up playing, like, if, if I have like 15 slivers out, they're going to be super powerful. And then all it takes is you playing one sliver on the battlefield and you get all the benefit from all of my hard work. So, because did, of that, like, the slivers are very cool. Yes. So, yeah. we will talk about that a little bit later, that they'll, they'll change as they get later on in the series and as they kind of evolve because these creatures are always evolving and always changing to adapt to the you know, the world around them but their initial brand their initial breed was they just kind of blanket helped everybody and it made for a lot of really scary combinations of creatures but that being so, said
1: you also said that um that they all kind of think as one. So does that mean mm-hmm. that they don't have like any individuality themselves?
0: Um, I it's kind of hard to tell because we don't really like they're not really super.
1: Yeah, I don't imagine intelligent much creatures conversation.
0: Yeah, exactly. So like they're not really talking much. Which although we will get into later, there are some that are more intelligent. But that being said, most of them, almost the entire species, is more animalistic than anything. We never really see them doing anything. Of intelligence. So it's possible that they can have some amount of sentient thought and just like they all kind of are like sheep in that they follow each other. But it seems like it's less of that and more of they just like they travel as a pack and they think as a pack because we only, we never really see any of them going off on their own to do their own thing. That it's always you get one and you get them all basically from what it seems like. But that being said, slivers this is a lot of, it's a lot of preamble for a creature that we still don't know what they look like uh, the like we mentioned they kind of look a little bit unfinished which i feel like is kind of a homage to the fact that like they are a creature that's always like adapting and changing and manipulating themselves to be what like the best thing for the situation they need is so because of that their base normal look is a creature with a armored vertebra body like one single like spine going down the middle with a bifurcated tail on the end, kind of forks at the bottom, and then they've got one single like almost like scythe like talon for a hand and only one hand on one side of its body, and then it's got a triangular like beaked head that comes to like an armored point at the front, and then it has usually most of them have like two like spiked or horns on the back of their head. That gives them a very pronounced like v like looking head. Hmm. Uh,
1: these guys are organic, right? Because this yes. looks pretty mechanical.
0: They do. They do kind of look mechanical and and they actually, as they start to evolve and as they get older in the story as we progress through their history, they will get starting to look more and more mechanical. Uh, as they evolve but i think that's more of just like they start to take on other attributes of like more defensive like creatures kind like crabs and stuff like that oh and so because of that they start to like develop almost armor looking stuff that kind of looks like machines but they are organic creatures yes so that's the standard look for a sliver but like we said all of them have their own abilities that they can kind of teach to each other And so because of that, like each sliver can look different from the other ones by itself. For example, if a sliver has the ability that it gives flying to other, or that it has flying and therefore shares flying to other slivers, that sliver might actually innately have wings on its own and therefore could then teach others to be able to have wings and stuff like that. So like they all have some differences amongst them, but they all kind of stick to that general body shape of like a weird pointed head. One singular arm and then two tails. But mm, that is again something, yeah, it's something that will change as we get later on in the story a little bit. But that's the, that's the
2: at least initial look and the one that's the most consistent across all of them. Well, so. that like just baseline as like an idea or concept for an entire species is really cool. Oh, yeah. Um, it is, it is like, a very neat creature. Cause like oh, yeah. in, in the sense of, if one has flying it has wings like maybe it doesn't give it like an individual like personality but like it does make it like an individual right yeah ha- one like has double strike maybe has the two arms or something uh-huh like what it would be but like it, like what while it does have this mold it's still like there's still individuality and it makes this species yeah. just pretty pretty fun exactly because like and i've said this a couple of times
0: they all are constantly evolving and are all constantly changing to adapt and so because of, like One may be in a different area than the others. And so for him, it's useful to be able to fly. And so he develops wings where others are never in that area. And it's because that they never need, have the need to fly. So they never develop wings. He then did. They're basically like normal creatures. They are evolving, but these guys do it on a massive, like sped up scale. They're doing it so much quicker and they can learn from each other and be able to do it instantaneously to each other or for each other, which is really neat
1: it's kind of crazy that like you're saying it almost seems like they can teach each other to evolve
0: Uh uh-huh you know that's kind of
1: a wild thought It's like hey you know like other sliver this is how you grow wings Uh, now you can do it
2: i I think they just implemented the matrix into the real life
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that's like that's the gameplay explanation for it i don't know the lore explanation of like how they're like teaching each other abilities and like doing that like that kind of mechanic whether like they are able to like just look at another sliver and then copy the ability i don't know if that's the lore explanation or what it is but the gameplay explanation to, like,
1: anyway telepathic link or something yeah
0: possibly but the gameplay explanation anyway is that, like as soon as one appears with one ability all of them get that ability and so it's just like it's an instant like catastrophic building of power that you get so that being said there is Quite the story of the Slivers, a, a pretty tragic and a little bit like sad for the Sliver story for them, because they kind of get the short end of the stick in almost every story they've been a part of. And this takes place over hundreds of years. We're going to start way back with this guy named Volrath. Um, firstly, let me uh, go with a, a little bit of a preamble just for anyone who's not super familiar with magic. Um, in the magic universe, there are things called planes that those are basically it's like a world. It's their name for like a world or a universe, maybe even. And there are tons of different planes in the multiverse or in the universe that these specific people can travel between, then you can like get people to be able to move between these planes, and each plane or universe is different. They have different magics, they have different creatures all kinds of different things, like very diverse between all of them. So when we talk about throughout this uh, episode, they're gonna be we're gonna be talking about like a couple of different planes. And those planes are basically just like the magic the gathering name for a universe or a world where like people can most of the time people just live on their world and do their own thing, live and die, and that's it. But there are some people with the abilities in the universe to be able to like jump between these worlds and even bring some people like someone else with them between these worlds as well. So,
1: And uh, we also talk about this and some other like Magic the Gathering background lore in one of our earlier episodes, Galates and Hellions, if you're curious.
0: So we go into a little bit more in depth with that. And we also go a little bit more in depth into the mana system in that episode, I believe, as well. Yes. Uh, So that doesn't become a major thing in this episode. So it's not that big of a deal. But if you want to learn more and you want to go and Listen to that episode or slash haven't already. Go ahead and listen to that. It's very, very good episode. But So, that being said, we are going to be following a guy named Volrath. He was a really mean guy. He's in his story or the story that follows him. He's yet generally considered like the villain. He's not a very nice guy. And he is constantly trying to find a way to like just conquer as much space as he can he's just like that kind of a guy very generic conquer the world conquer every plane he can get to i mean he's
1: pretty ethical you know and (laughs) he cares about everybody's feelings while he does it totally
0: absolutely yeah so this guy the most charismatic most s most ethical kind hearted man is traveling the planes trying to just explore like a good neighbor And he goes, stumbles across this plane that no one had been to yet. Basically an uninhabited, like, if if you think about regular world, he basically stumbles stumbles upon, like, an uncharted island. And he just, like, finds this plane no one had been to. And on this plane, he discovered these slivers. There were these creatures that were changing and, and evolving on their planet. And they were the dominant species. Like, they were the peak of the food chain they were just like running this planet and he was like, yo, that's really cool. And being the amazing citizen that he is, he thought, wow, I could totally take these things and weaponize them because these things are brutal. I mean, they're running this planet. They have completely taken over this entire planet and just like dominated it. And also Volrath is, I forgot to mention a shapeshifter. And so he also thinks they're kind of cool because of that, because he can shapeshift and these guys kind of shapeshift. They're like semi shapeshifters, yeah. and so he thinks they're kind of really uniquely interesting with that, and he wants to do some studies and experiments on them to try and figure out why. So
1: it's, this sounds he, like it can only end well.
0: Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so so Volrath, the uh, gem that he is, decides he's going to take as many of these slivers as he can back to his home plane, and his home plane was called Wrath. And so he grabs a bunch of these hive creatures. And he also takes from that uh, hive plane, he takes the sliver queen, which is basically like the like hive mind of this hive. It's the creature that gives the entire group a direction and a purpose. And so he takes that with him as well. So that way, like, no. it can kind of like wrangle them and he can keep them in check with this hive queen.
1: So like, do you think they just like go kind of crazy if they didn't have... They absolutely
2: do it. Yeah. And we'll we'll actually get to them a little bit. Think of like ants, right? And if they Mm -hmm. like lose communication to the queen or devil, they'll literally circle the, the um, ant hill or wherever they are until they exhaust themselves to death. So I'm I'm guessing it's something similar. It's kind
1: of like bees as well, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, And these guys,
0: yeah. These guys are very bee slash more, I would say ant, but like very insectoid in their mentality of, of, having a hive and needing to protect the queen and having a head queen in control. They, they are very ant like in that mentality, but as you were saying, which we'll get to a little bit later in the story, they do need that queen to be around or else unlike the ants, they will get lost, but get, they get real violent when the uh, queen disappears. Ants don't usually go out on a murderous tear when the queen disappears. They usually just kind of wander around and try to find a new one. These guys will just whew, it when it, it's not pretty. But thankfully, Ro- Volrath, well, well, maybe unfortunately, Volrath at this point was smart and he brought with him the sliver queen, so that way he didn't run into that problem. I mean, potentially he may have left the sliver plane in completely disrepair, and they may have just gone wild on the hive or the the sliver original plane, I'm not sure, but at least with him, they were all pretty much well kept and in uh, under control. So he brings this hive, this new makeshift hive that he has, back with him to Wrath, and he decides he wants to store them away so that way he can keep them like protected. Well, kind of keep them protected from other people, but mainly keep other people away from them so that way he can do experiments, figure out what they are, and try to weaponize them and kind of do these weird experiments on them so of course he puts them in the only place it makes sense on wrath which is the furnace of wrath so why not and that was that was literally a giant furnace in the center of the plane of wrath that just was constantly melting down stone to try and constantly build more space for the planet or for the plane so did He, he sticks think this them down would there. Be healthy for them, or I don't think he really cared if it was healthy for them. I think he just wanted a convenient place that they could stay and they wouldn't bother anyone. And I mean, it it just feels like he went
1: through all this trouble of like bringing a ton of them back and the queen, and he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna toss you in a freaking furnace I mean, for some that reason. That
0: being said, they are creatures that adapt very quickly and they are very durable. So. The furnace really didn't bother them. They were kind of fine with it. I mean, it probably wasn't the greatest living conditions, but it, the heat down there and, like, the lava and whatnot didn't seem to affect them in a major way. So it okay. seems like they were cool with it, I guess. Or maybe he had them in, like, special containers so that way they they didn't get killed. I'm not sure. But he stored them down there, and they seemed like they were just vibing for a while anyway. That being said, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows because while they were there and in his captivity he was doing genetic experiments and modifications on these slivers the entire time so we don't know exactly what it was that he was doing we never really see any results from these experiments it sounds like he was just doing experiments just for the fun of it because we never see any like new types of slivers co-op like come around because of this or, or anything like that so we don't really know why he was doing it, but he was doing experiments on them the entire time. And mm. a kind of result of these experiments maybe is that he ended up being able to start generating artificial slivers. And these ones are, like, like you were talking about earlier, Bryce, these are robotic slivers made out of metal, but they actually have the same ability that the other slivers have in that they're able to adopt the powers from the other ones. Uh, that being uh. said they're kind of like a an inferior version of the regular hive because these guys have no innate ability of their own. They don't give anything to the the hive to the brood. All they do is they just soak in new abilities and pump themselves up and they don't give anything back. So,
1: so he like essentially just like reverse engineered his own slivers.
0: Basically, yeah. Yeah. So, and with a in a uh, gameplay perspective, these artificial slivers are actually kind of neat because like we were saying earlier especially in the early stages of slivers which is where we're still at now slivers used to give all of the slivers in on the entire battlefield both your own and your opponents they would share abilities amongst all of them and so because of that if you had one of these artificial slivers and your opponent was playing with a bunch of slivers they would have all of the these crazy abilities you could play your own artificial sliver it would gain all the abilities from your enemy but it wouldn't give any of the any of its abilities to it wouldn't give anything back so it was basically just like really nice for gameplay because it was able to mooch off of your enemy and make a really powerful creature without having to have the chance of giving anything useful back to your enemy so Uh kind of useful in a gameplay perspective but otherwise they didn't really have a whole ton of use Uh, He ended up using them as spies and he would actually send these artificial slivers back into the like the sliver hive to try and spy on them, figure out what they were doing, why they did the things that they did. I don't know really what he was trying to glean, what information he was looking for, but he had them poking around in the hive trying to get information.
1: I could see how like maybe he hit like a brick wall with his research and like dissecting and like experimenting on them so then he maybe thought his solution was more like social
0: perhaps yeah uh it's i i maybe that's the reason i don't know if that is but it's a good explanation as to what happened but and that would kind of make sense with the next thing that he created and discovered which is he created i i don't i couldn't tell if he created it or discovered it either way he came into position of this artifact called the hive stone and what this thing does it's kind of like a monolith it allows him allows the person wearing it or touching it to be perceived as a sliver so in gameplay perspective that just means that when you have this stone this artifact on your side every creature you control is also considered a sliver so that because of that now all of your other creatures gain those same abilities from the slivers, just like anything else. So you could now play a non sliver creature, but it would behave like a sliver and gain those abilities. So oh, kind of neat.
1: Yeah. That's crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the way that he used it was actually kind of neat uh, because in this situation, he can then touch this hive stone and the high, the slivers now view him as another sliver and he can kind of interact like he is. So because of that, he was able to use it to kind of put himself into the position of the queen in like either in the event that like the queen died or disappeared, or if he wanted to like give the the slivers a little bit more direction opposed to like, or like different than what the queen was kind of telling them to do. So it kind of allowed him to be, make himself kind of a makeshift sliver queen in a sense. So kind of neat in the it seems like those are pretty much the only two results of his experiments but there could have been others but we don't really know what they were because it it never really goes into him so because his whole story was a little bit more focused on other things he was focusing on trying to attack this ship called the Weatherlight, which we'll get into now but that's why it doesn't really focus a whole ton on those experiments because it seemed like it was like eh, well oh well not a big deal
1: so, I wonder if, like, by using the, the Hive Stone, uh, like you were saying, if, like, like if a wing sliver was in your vicinity, I wonder if you would, like, it would, like, make you evolve to grow wings, like, yeah, physically. Yeah, I don't know. I It'd don't know if it crazy. would. I think
0: gameplay-wise, it definitely would. Lore-wise, I think maybe it's more of just, like, a psychological connection, and it just allows you to, like, mentally behave or like or like connect to the hive and like be viewed as a hive Mm -hmm. that feels like it makes more sense to me than anything else because they actually talk about how the other people like because bullrath is not the only person who ends up ruling the plane of wrath he's not the first and he's not the last so they talk about later on there are other people who rule or control wrath that use this hive stone to take control of the hive and do things with the hive so it seems like it's something that they would use every once in a while to do that, and it never really talks about them, like, using it to, like, change themselves or anything, I it guess. No, I don't, like, not sure up with a bunch of extra yeah.
1: ones and stuff. <laughs>
0: exactly. But, that being said, it may be something that they just, like, never talk about, slash maybe something that happens, but they just haven't explored in the lore. Maybe it's something that they'll talk about later in the lore, and it just isn't been explored yet, but it, it is something that they've has been around for a while and is used for a while. But Volrath, like we were saying, big fan of attacking this ship called the Weatherlight. Uh, and that is a whole story in Magic that we won't really get into. We're not going to dive deep into it. It's pretty it's really wild, <laughs> Yeah. But the, I'll, I'll give you like a quick rundown of it. The Weatherlight, really cool ship, had a really cool crew, and the... Uh,
2: and unique like thing about airship, the weatherlight
0: right? yeah yeah the unique thing about the weatherlight is it's an airship flies around which makes sense cuz if you're like traveling between these worlds basically it's basically like a goofy looking spaceship if you will um, and the weatherlight it also had a thing it it carried around this treasure of artifacts that they called the legacy uh, it was a collection of tons of different artifacts not just it's not just one artifact but it's a bunch of them that, when put together, can make like someone super powered. Like gives you tons of abilities. So and it's because like of that. The, uh, in- <laughs> infinity gauntlet. I, I knew you were gonna say that. As you said that, I was like, yeah, kind of like the Infinity Gauntlet, but like it was not on a g- glove. It's like a bunch of different stuff, and like a oh. sword and stuff so like it, that. It's like so it's an all infinity backpack. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but so because of that. Uh, Volrath was a big fan of trying to get a hold of that legacy and also just kind of tearing down the Weatherlight because I guess he had a bone to pick with it.
1: So was jealous, man. They yeah. never let him on the party ship.
2: He was offended he, that none of his cards are worth the amount of a yeah. monkey. <laughs> Pretty true. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he uh,
0: at one point, the Weatherlight is nearby Wrath, is in his vicinity, so he sends out a bunch of Hive, or a bunch of the hive from the, the, or the, sorry, a bunch of the slivers from his hive, set it backward, uh, and he sends them to attack the Weatherlight to try and take it down. And in that mis- mission, he's able to capture the crew, or sorry, he's able to capture the captain and also is able to take control of the legacy and he's able to bring it back to Wrath. And he actually stores the legacy, that collection of artifacts, down with the slivers in the uh, forge of Wrath. So, Man,
1: dude loves just throwing stuff in there. Though. I know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> down and down in that furnace, he just throws all of his garbage down there. But so he k- takes control of the legacy, and he is able to kind of deal a pretty decent blow to the Weatherlight. But the Weatherlight strikes back, and they're able to rally, and the crew works together to go back to Wrath and try and find their captain. And also try and gain back control of the legacy. Uh, In doing this, during this mission, a couple of members of the crew realize how the sliver mind worked, and like how like their hive communication worked, and realized that they could kind of communicate with them, and like they weren't evil beings necessarily. They were just like kind of basic animalistic, but they could be reasoned with. So they kind of fight their way down into the furnace of wrath, and one of the members of the crew on the weatherlight was a guy well a, a robot a, a golem named karn and if you're familiar Good with the karn. yeah if you're familiar with the magic universe you you probably have heard of karn once or twice he's yeah. a guy that's around forever he's he's always around always doing stuff and
1: yeah, he's mr
0: restart yeah, the game and exactly time about like
1: 30 <laughs> minutes
0: yeah so he's a big player both in game and in the lore And this is one of like the more early times that we ever see him is when he's traveling around on the weatherlight. And so Karn making his uh, early debut trying to help out the weatherlight, he goes in front of the sliver queen and tries to like kind of bargain with the sliver queen. And he argues to the sliver queen that this legacy, the collection of artifacts are just as much a part of him as she is a part of the sliver hive. And so it would be cruel for her not to give him back the legacy because that's like that's part of him so she's like basically holding his children hostage and she relents she's like all right cool sounds good and gives him the legacy back and they peace off they disappear off into the sunset again with the uh weatherlight and the legacy
2: all in tow man, so you gotta, you gotta man love it pissed? when like your i don't i'm guessing he would been used like you could consider the slivers like his slaves or whatever you gotta hate when they like turn on you i know right i was <laughs> gonna say you gotta love it when the guard dog doesn't guard yeah, very well like, yeah I, like i know you like control me but like these guys are pretty good they could no have some yeah. good
1: arguments you know
2: and dominaria really big plane a lot of
0: people a lot of magic a lot of really cool stuff going on in dominaria and wrath is actually an artificial plane it's like a, a fake oh. universe that they made that people created. And it's the like whole plan work, of it, right? kind of, kind of. Um, it is like an organic planet, but like it's like they're building it as they're going. It's like it's not made out of metal, but it's like being created through magic as they're making, like as they're working on it. Okay. And so because of that, the whole plan for Wrath was they were going to create Wrath nearby Dominion nearby Dominaria. And once they got it large enough that it would be similar size as Dominaria they would combine the two and like they would kind of interlock them over top of each other. And in doing that, they would kind of like, because Wrath is not really a full, real plane, it would be able to nest in on top of Dominaria and all of the soldiers and all of the people on Wrath would be able to kind of pitch a ride onto Dominaria instantly. And so because of that being Volrath, he saw that as the perfect way to get a massive invasion size, like force, straight onto Dominaria immediately.
1: Oh, so, so that was what he point. did. This point is all to, like, conquer Dominaria. Exactly.
0: So he creates this thing, like, which is, what a plan. He creates an entirely fake planet, basically, just so that way he can invade another planet by just, like, interlocking them over top of each other.
1: Man, the so, long con is strong, dude.
0: Really, really crazy. So, yeah, that's the plan, and that's, like, now we're getting to that point where he's doing that, and that's the plan or or this execution of this plan is called the wrathy overlay which is where he's overlaying wrath onto dominaria problem is unfortunately the slivers kind of get like boned in this situation because wrath or uh, volrath doesn't really care about the slivers at this point anymore he's got an entire army to take over dominaria so he doesn't really pay attention to what's going on with them so when the wrath or the wrathy overlay happens the slivers are transported to a section of dominaria called Erbog and erborg and that's a kind of a not great place in dominaria it's real war torn there's a lot of necromancers and like evil magicians going on and they're always fighting there so not only is it like a bad place to be but also to make matters worse like more than like almost 90% of the slivers in this transition when they got brought over to dominaria they got put down directly in the heart of a volcano so like all of the slivers just died immediately as soon as this <laughs> happened so unfortunately yeah it was kind of interesting
1: they would die in a volcano but not in the furnace of wrath
0: yeah this that's where it, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me for that unless like they were being like held in the furnace of wrath but like in like containment cells or right. something like that so like they were down there but not like in the lava perhaps but so I'm not sure if that's what it was or what. But all I know is when they got br- brought over to Dominaria, maybe Dominarian uh, volcanoes are just built different. Yeah, they're just so, super crazy. Like because as soon I, as they came over, they just freaking melted instantly, and, died, and all of them died.
1: I guess so, it would be pretty hard to adapt to like lava pretty quickly. You know, <laughs> like if you're just teleporting to a volcano and be like, "All right, adapt."
0: Yeah, yeah if if Oof. you're like in Work yourself up to it. Maybe you can do it. But if you just put directly in the lava, I feel like it's like, ah, eh, well, that's that's the end of it.
1: Well, that's oh. me just burning in the lava. <laughs>
0: but here I go burning again. So that's where almost all of the uh, slivers die instantly as soon as the Wrathy overlay happens because they're just plopped down in a volcano. And then the uh, a bunch of others get killed off by these wizard, these necromancers, and this fighting that's going on on the planet now because all of dominaria is being invaded at this point and people are fighting everywhere all across the planet so there's conflict everywhere and the slivers just kind of get caught in the crossfires but then there's also a select few of these slivers that have a weird thing happen to them and they end up becoming these creatures called shadow slivers which are pretty cool uh and what these guys are is basically they get caught in between the two planes they get caught they're not fully in dominaria And they're not fully in Wrath. They're, like, in the middle. So they're not really in reality at all. So because of that, they're, like, these shadow creatures that are just kind of wandering around the world. And they can only really interact with other things that are in this, like, mid-world dimension. And so because of that, there's actually one other, like, town that gets trapped in this spot as well called the City of Traitors. It was a town in on Wrath that didn't make the transition over. And so apparently from the stories, it sounds like these shadow uh, slivers just annihilated this town of the city of traders. just like ripped them apart because they were the only people they could t- interact with so sounds a little unfortunate for these guys but uh, but it was a really cool like weird kind of how, like side breed of slivers that only exist only existed for a little while they're not like a long-standing thing but they're really neat to me and they just kind of go on a tear
1: yeah it's kind of crazy that they adapted it to being like uh torn between two different realities and were stronger yeah. because of it.
0: and i don't think it was necessarily that they adapted to it i think they just kind of got stuck in between so i think it, it wasn't because like there's other people like there was regular humans or whatever rathians uh if you want to call them that also got stuck in this world and theoretically they could have lived and just done their own thing but problem is a bunch of slivers came along and just ripped them apart but like I think it was less to do with the fact that they like could evolve to become that. And they just like, they got stuck in between and just kind of got screwed over in the, in the transition between the two, but regardless, very cool creatures and very neat story. But unfortunately that is kind of the end of slivers for a long amount of time. Uh, the next time we see slivers isn't for a 100 years. So oh. after that, the whole war on Dominaria has kind of settled down. Uh, the invasion has been sorted out and life is kind of returned back to relative norm on Dominaria. And with that, there are this, there's this group of wizards that decide to do some like ecological or uh, archaeological digging and experimenting on a island con- called Ateria. And there's also like a side little offshoot island off the coast of Otteria that they also do some experimenting on. And so the these wizards they developed or uh, were part of a group called Project Riptide, which cool name for a uh, yeah, pretty a pretty cool project, project. Name, man. yeah. And it, as part of this, they actually end up digging up a bunch of sliver fossils because they a bunch of slivers died on Dominaria a hundred years ago, and so now they're digging up these slivers that died in the transition over to dominaria and that's a bad idea yeah exactly i mean (laughs) i
1: feel like this is a plot in pokemon as well right
0: (laughs) Well, even more than a plot in pokemon this is a plot from the one and only jurassic park because clearly these guys they were focused too hard on whether they could they never really bothered on whether they should and so they went to task on trying to bring these slivers back to life so congrats, they could do it. But problem is they didn't know how important the sliver queen was to the slivers. So they brought back a bunch of slivers, but they didn't ever make a queen for them. So as we mentioned earlier, they kind of went crazy. They, the slivers went rampant, running across the island, just like tearing across the countryside because they were trying to find their sliver queen. Problem is that there wasn't one. So they just were ripping across the country for nothing. Uh, because of that, all of Project Rip- Riptide got killed off. Everyone on the island, and then because like they had kind of taken over that island, they started looking for other places to spread out and look. And at the same time as this is happening on Dominaria, there's also a really really powerful artifact called the Mirari, and this artifact, this Mirari, yeah. was basically like a wish engine, if you will, where like. Its whole thing is like if you touched it, it would just give you whatever you wanted. But problem is like usually it would take something as well. It would it would kind of curse you at the same time. Regardless, anytime you say wish engine, people are there for it. So like people were using this thing all over the place, and there's just massive like waves of magic that are blasting out from this thing. And the slivers, time (laughs) exactly, yeah, very fun. The slivers they can feel that they can feel those bursts of magic, and they kind of confuse it for messages from their sliver queen so they cross the ocean over to the mainland and they start ripping across ataria now so at first they took over that little tiny sub island off the coast of ataria and now they just start ripping through it the actual island of ataria and so they're just tearing through the world and it's big be- it becomes like this massive like it's basically jurassic park it is almost exactly one for one they Just did a bunch of experiments, didn't pay attention, and now the dinosaurs are out and they're just killing everybody in sight. So it's kind of brutal. But with that then, because they have no queen, they have nothing, there's nothing to stop them, but there's also a bunch of other conflict, as usual, breaking out across the rest of Dominaria, mainly because of this Mirari, uh, because there's a bunch of people trying to get a hold of it. And there ends up becoming this massive war across Dominaria again and again, a war that doesn't have anything to do with the slivers—they just kind of get caught in the crossfires. But they, there's a massive magical war that causes a huge magical explosion on Dominaria that ends up creating this creature called Corona, not the not the disease, and also not the beer.
2: A separate Corona spelled with a K. <laughs> a giant beer just walking
0: around.
2: <laughs> we so
1: created it, the Corona.
2: Exactly.
0: So it creates this separate thing. New entity called Corona. Um, well, not new to the magic universe, but new to our understanding, uh, called Corona. And this being is basically like magic personified. It's like basically like the god of magic. And it's like it has been created several times in the magic universe before this, and it just kind of shows up whenever there's whenever there's like a lot of magic and it just coalesces and creates this creature. Uh so massive explosion happens, co- creates Corona. And in that explosion, almost all the slivers get killed off again. So,
1: Man, slivers. They just, really? Exactly. Anytime, like, a world-like defining or, like, shattering event happens, they just get caught in the crossfire and yeah. melted, burned, or exploded.
0: Yeah. So, the poor guys are doing nothing wrong. They're, I mean, well, they are doing things wrong. But they're not, like, in the middle of creating the conflict. They're just kind of off on their own side story. And they just keep getting just blown up. For no reason. Poor guys. But that being said, I said most of them got destroyed. Some of them did survive. So it's not an entire annihilation this time. It's just mostly. Um, but after this, most of Dominaria was left in complete ruin. It's basically like a post-apocalyptic world at this point. Um, but the slivers, they kind of thrive on that because like they are just creatures that evolve and will just change to be whatever they need to. So they Continue surviving. A small group of the Slivers, actually, there's some survivors left after the explosion. They all kind of fuse together to create this like super being called the Sliver Overlord, which is pretty cool. And uh, it's kind of like their somewhat replacement for a Sliver Queen because they don't have a Sliver Queening right now, still. So they kind of make one of their own by a bunch of them fusing together. But along with that, there's also a bunch of slivers that kind of show up out of nowhere because with this magical explosion, not only did like the world get blown apart, the magic world kind of got blown apart as well. And also like time got kind of ripped apart temporarily for a little while. And so because of that, a bunch of slivers from the past got like pulled into the future back into like this post-apocalyptic world. So, which that kind of sounds unfortunate for them, but now we have more slivers in the world. So huzzah! I I suppose. I mean,
1: say what you will about the slivers, but man, are they they just keep on coming back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they're just never ending for real. Kind of goes you know, from what we talked about at the beginning of how they're able to adapt and survive. I mean, that seems to be a theme throughout whether yeah. or, you know, because of, you know, just whatever situation they're put in and they're always kind of beaten back or whatever. Like, yeah, that might be true, but like they just they keep going. Yeah, Yeah. but
1: even beyond that, you know, it's just like, so they were killed off once and then they were resurrected from their fossils and then they were killed off again and then they were literally brought through time by like mm -hmm. no cause of their own. So it just really seems like magic really just wants slivers to keep on going. The
0: world needs slivers to exist for some reason. There's something important for them later. Yeah. Yeah. And so with that now, because now they are back, and kind of better than they have been in a long time because now they're free on the world they're not being held down in a a prison volcano and they're not being like i guess they're not dead so there's that um (laughs) it's always good yeah that's always a good first step but so because of that now they're like just free to roam around the world and so we start to see a lot more diverse slivers coming in and this is when we start to see them start to break the mold away from that like classic arrowhead face and single arm and stuff like that we start to see new ones they also start to generate really unique abilities that are like kind of copied abilities from other creatures in the world Uh, for example there's some of these slivers that kind of they see the vampires on dominaria because there's a pretty big vampire population on dominaria and they see these vampires doing their things sucking the life essence out of people to be able to get strengthened and those Slivers copy that ability and they generate life stealing abilities very much similar to vampires. And there's also a couple of other uh, slivers that see this kind of magical bird in the magic universe called Birds of Paradise. Uh, and these creatures, these, this bird is able oh, to yeah. create mana on their own just whenever they want. And so, because of that, these slivers see that creature doing that and they copy that ability. And now they have this magic generating ability as well. So they start to kind of just like iterate and experiment and evolve on their own just by based off of what they see in the world around them, which I think is really, really cool.
1: Uh, kind of a side tangent is that like with kind of that being known is that like if they're just put in an environment with another creature that they're able to like adapt to almost like copy their abilities, uh like that always kind of poses a question of like, what would happen if they were in like a same area with like Eldrazi, which is a like oh,
2: a no. the, <laughs> the Eldritch Horror
1: kind of of Magic the Gathering universe. So really Yeah. Cool. But I think there was actually like, what? Brad, do you know what those cards were called, in which they have like hand drawn, like, uh, faces, and like they're not like legal in any sort of play
0: uh yeah, oh, yeah the- you're talking about like the uh unmade series or whatever
1: no no it's like um it's almost like they're the play cards. cards
0: like they're playtest cards
1: yeah playtest cards is that there was a i think a eldrazi sliver
0: uh-huh
2: <laughs> yeah they made. It, was. it was just oh, like annihilator like, two or something
1: yeah it gives like all slivers like annihilator two or something oh it's my god! like absolutely mm. like super broken yeah so, yeah i guess that kind of answers your question Is like yeah no, it, would, would, it would be the end of everything probably
0: thankfully we have not seen that yet uh the the slivers and the eldrazi have not crossed paths yet we don't have Thank that monstrosity God. running around in the universe but that is something that absolutely could theoretically exist that like if the story ever did bring that about the slivers could absolutely they like, kind of copy the abilities of the eldrazi and just become monsters <laughs> so the uh the threat is real and i'm now i just want that to exist long term because i actually just looked up pictures nope. what are you talking about could you imagine that make my deck so good bro uh, we already have eldrazi we have eldrazi werewolves why not
2: eldrazi slivers let's go werewolves are awful <laughs> they are yeah not, but they're cool
1: they're, they're pretty cool i, I always mm-hmm. love their flavor
2: but yeah but so that
0: is absolutely a thing that could exist cuz these guys they're just running around the planet and just kind of learning what to do and how to like evolve based off of other creatures in the world. So pretty cool interaction and gives a lot of open-endedness for like what they could become possibly in the future because if any other creature comes to Dominaria or they leave Dominaria, then they could eventually change, which again we'll get to in a little bit later they actually do that. But like we said earlier, right now, the Slivers, they don't have a queen still. Uh, they have their overlord, but it doesn't really do the same thing. It's not its not the sa- able to fill in the same role one for one. So they're still kind of running around rampant, just like doing their own thing. But there's actually uh, some people that are able to actually start to like learn how to control them to a small extent. So thankfully, Wait. we
1: tame them as pets or like mind control you think
0: um kind of like mind control but like some people use it like mind control in the ability like uh did, and like using them as weapons and some people just use them like mind control ish to try and like kind of talk them down and get them less aggressive so Uh. depends on who we're talking about but one of the, a couple of these people actually were planeswalkers. Um, some of them are nicer planeswalkers, ones that we've heard of. Um, one of them being my man, my dude, Lord Windgrace. Uh, and then there's also another Yeesh. one named uh, Felicia, and she also oh, yeah. kind of takes control of some of the uh, slivers sometimes. So they both, at different times, were able to take control, kind of calm them down, get the planet kind of under control. But then there's also another guy which only controlled the slivers for a little while but he was called the weaver king and he was kind of like a ghost like he was he was one of those guys that he also got caught in the in-between transition between the worlds of dominaria and wrath so he's stuck in between so he's basically like a ghost because he can't really interact with either world but he's able to like use his like mental magic to be able to like get into dominaria and affect the slivers through that so he's able to influence them and take control of them and he uses them to attack some of the people that were controlling them or people that they were just like hanging around nearby so that being said when they were being controlled by those couple of guys they were starting to become more sentient more independent thinkers which is kind of neat so like giving them a lot enough time away from a sliver queen they start to just like kind of adapt and learn to do things on their own and the hive starts to kind of get stronger-willed, stronger-minded individually on their own. So then, at that point, then someone ends up stumbling back upon that hive stone we talked about earlier. That was that monolith that allows you to, like, kind of integrate yourself with the hive, or with the sliver, and, like, kind of almost take control of them if you can, if you want to, if you have the will to. Uh, Problem is, is someone stumbles back upon this hive stone now, And they try and use it again. But now, because this this hive in general, this whole group of them, collective, has become so independent and strong-willed at this point because they haven't had a queen. Now, if you touch the hive stone, they kind of just take control of you rather than vice versa. So now this hive stone, yeah, it's kind of flipped its head. So now you become a hive, or a sliver. Sorry, I keep using hive because... There's also very similar kind of ish creatures from Destiny. That's they're just called the Hive, um, but the slivers. Now, when you touch that, you kind of become one of the slivers like them, and they just yoink take control of your mind and integrate you into the rest of the group like them. Oh so, dang! So yeah, I wonder no if longer that means
1: fun. that they almost created a, like their own like hierarchies in which like the stronger slivers can control like the weaker ones you know
0: yeah yeah it very much seems like that where like they don't have an actual hive queen or or sliver queen but they do have like a stand-in creature that has a strong enough mind strong enough will to like kind of stand in that place and help to control the rest of them and I don't think it's necessarily one particular one. I think it might be several of them across the entire world, but like, yeah, they're, like they just make packs they seem like, clients. yeah, they seem like they're starting to like kind of make replacement queens because they can't have one in, like an actual one. So yeah, and it, which is really neat. And now this hive stone that used to be like a tool to be able to help control them is now just like a curse that just bends you to their will and just kind of destroys you if you touch it which is kind of wild to me but yeah, that really being said 180 huh <laughs> yeah that's the last time we ever see slivers on dominaria because like we that was a really big story plot line for a while and it's because of that we got a lot of sets a lot of uh releases in the magic game for that era and for that plane planet for a while but now that story is kind of wrapped up so we haven't seen very much stuff going on there for a while but we still have seen a couple of Sliver releases since. And now they've actually moved over to a plane called Chandelar. Shaland- I believe is how it's pronounced. Uh, That's it right, yeah. Yeah, it is. Chandelar. It's a made-up word anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but on this plane, uh, it's, it's kind of like what Dominaria used to be before Dominaria was destroyed and became this post-apocalyptic wasteland that it is now. Uh, so it's like a much more fantasized, much more like fantastic creatures. It's got elves, like dragons, it's got orcs or uh and gnomes and stuff like that, like about like all of those typical fantasy creatures on it. Gnomes. Mm. I know, I I had to toss it in. So (laughs) yeah, so it's got all those kinds types of creatures on this planet. It's kind of like the fantasy planet, if you will. And so the these slivers somehow get onto this planet. These guys, however. They do still have a sliver queen, uh, although in this one they call it a sliver lord, um, and or the hive lord, sorry. But they do have someone that's kind of controlling the group and telling them what to do. But they've actually kind of focused their evolution a little bit, it seems like. So we actually have a lot of the slivers on this planet that are actually bipedal. Uh, they look much more like the normal... Uh, chandar how do you say that word in the name of a person like the chendar- chandar
2: Chandelier. Chandelier. Yeah,
0: that's I, all i could think of was chandeliers i was like that's not right
1: <laughs> which is coincidentally also people that like chandeliers a lot
0: <laughs> <laughs> so they the slivers have evolved to start to look like chandeliers actually <laughs>
1: it's
0: really crazy bizarre
2: evolution but you know weird
0: weird plan uh, but L- maybe- Lumiere
2: from uh, Beauty and the Beast is actually a sliver <laughs> yeah.
0: I was going to say like the pokemon that, that turns oh. into like a in but yeah I mean, same thing
2: you know how like um
1: there's that like scientific discovery that they made in mm-hmm. which like a lot of stuff just evolves into crabs or crab like yeah. stuff well, it turns out that the, like, maximum evolution of any living being is just a chandelier. A chandelier.
2: Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah, it is.
1: <laughs> the most inconspicuous. Can you call it a Or Lighting <laughs> aperture. I don't know.
0: There you go. Decoration. Lighting decoration. There we go. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a what, convergent uh, evolution or something like that, where it's, where it's yeah. all, like, coalescing onto the same Everything like, coalesces creature. in the chandelier. Uh, exactly. So... The high, the slivers have kind of started to coalesce into not chandeliers, but chandelarians. Uh, So they all start to look like the, like, they have two legs, two feet, or sorry, two legs, two arms, and, like, they have long hair. They kind of start to look like the natural, normal people that exist on this planet. Like, they're starting to evolve to look like the other human species, humanoid species on the planet. Uh, That being said... Yeah, exactly. That being said, they're not like one for one looking like people. Uh, these ones have like gem like looking eyes, like kind of crystalline. They have like tentacle looking hair, almost like jellyfish or like or octopus kind of looking hair. They have very like, like carapace looking arm, like like body. They have armor almost looking, and this is where I was saying they almost look metallic, just because of like the way that it's, it's armor like a crab, but it almost looks like it's like a robot kind of thing
1: like metal armor or whatever exactly
0: yeah but they also do still have like they are humanoid but they still look very animalistic like they're not very prim and and they're not evolved to look very nice they're still animals and they're still kind of brutal looking yeah they're
1: gonna rip your face off exactly
0: but they also have also at this point learned they've evolved to be able to generate a language they have a speech that they have amongst each other, and it's described as, like, a chittering, like, kind of weird, almost kind of what I would imagine insects to speak like, so. Hmm. Yeah, they've, they've evolved, it seems, like, much more, like, aggressively towards one specific idea on this plant rather than just, like, a wide spread across for everything, which is kind of interesting. Uh, that being said, there are still some on this planet that are the classic arrowhead looking one arm creatures uh they actually are kind of divided into two groups they call them broods there's the lesser brood which is like the regular triangle heads and then there's the primes which are the bipedal humanoid looking creatures that are starting to look like them
2: a lord of the Rings situation between orcs and like
0: goblins (laughs) kind of kind of but like i don't think it's like I don't think there's necessarily a hierarchy among them. Like thinking they're better, I think it's just like some have evolved one way and others evolved the other way. Just at this point now, it's divergent evolution where one's going the
2: the other way. So yeah, one's becoming like it's more like an ancestral look. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're going back to their roots. Really
0: getting <laughs> into the grips of what they used to be. But <laughs> it almost um, um
1: kind of seems like some favored like the specialized evolution Mm -hmm. where like the primes are favoring more of like a more like universally adapted approach Uh you know kind of like how humans are versus like just animals that you see out in the world where like animals out in the world are like way more adapted to their specific environment but put them in any other environment and they'll suffer pretty hard whereas humans can kind of adapt to yeah. A variety of environments. It's
0: kind of like the jack of all trades, master of none. Whereas like the normal sliver is kind of like that master of every or of one specific task, and they rely on the rest of the group to fill in where their weaknesses are. These guys seem to like just be like, you know, I'm they're they're still very much part of a hive, but each one is more solitary, and like they can kind of get along by themselves if necessary, and be relatively okay. It seems. I agree. yeah, that's pretty fascinating. Yeah, so. And this is also, uh, although like, it, this isn't the first time we've seen it, it's actually, I forgot to mention earlier, um, they also started to to do this while they were on Dominaria as well. Um, but this is where we start to see in-game where they now no longer affect everybody, every sliver on the battlefield. Now they only affect themselves. They only affect yours. So now if I'm playing slivers and you're playing slivers, only my slivers get stronger from my slivers and your slivers get stronger from your slivers and they don't interact across each other. So this is where that that line is starts to get drawn. It happened on Dominaria as well, and now the ones on uh, Chandelaria. It seems like it's more just... I don't think it's necessarily a lore per, change, per, per se. It's more of just, like, a gameplay change that it made it so much more easy to manage in-game, so they just made that the new standard for how they were going to run in-game. So Yeah,
1: but, but maybe in, like, lore-wise, you could see that, like maybe they decided to evolve in that direction
0: yeah it yeah. absolutely could be cool. now that like yeah and i guess that that is true that now especially on dominaria when they didn't have a sliver queen and they were just starting to generate those kind of smaller packs of groups, each other yeah it, it made more sense for them to only be able to like help each other out if they knew each other versus help everyone out generally and so, because of that maybe they started to like more like localize their their hive speaking, their hive conversations, and hive minding. And so they didn't really share their knowledge with the entire collective at that point. Possibly. Yeah. There's not really any lore specifically saying that that's what happened, but it's a pretty neat explanation and,
2: and something that makes sense to me anyway. I'll be so. accepting our uh, Wizards of the Coast um, employment office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: My inbox is open. If you'd like uh, to send me a, <laughs> an invite, I would love to. Talk the details out. So, (laughs) but yeah, so that's uh, those are the slivers. They're very interesting, and I think they're a really unique creature that has a very interesting story. And although they're not like the biggest creatures in Magic, they don't have the like most influential story. They're just kind of in stories all over the place, and like they just like get mentioned and stuff across them. And usually they're kind of getting shafted in those stories in that. But I think they're really cool creatures that have a lot of potential to become very, very interesting. I mean, we talked about earlier, if they end up running across the Eldrazi, then oof, We're all in it trouble. could be the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's very neat. They're, uh, they're really cool to see. And I love, although I, I don't love playing them because I feel a little bit bad because they're so oppressive. I do love playing them because they're very cool creatures. And like thematically, they feel very neat to play. They're, they're a very neat group. But,
2: well, yeah. I can not say, we haven't been back to Dominaria in a few years, so I mean, uh-huh. the next time we go back, slivers have taken over. It's it's absolutely possible. I mean, that's,
0: like we mentioned at the very beginning of the episode, on their original home plane, they were the dominant species. Like, they were the alpha and the head of the food chain, so I wouldn't be surprised next time we go to Dominaria. They have just completely annihilated everything and just taken over. Because... I mean, how do you fight against a creature that just always gets better against you? So, yeah, cuz
1: it seems like eventually they pretty much can win
0: any uh-huh. fight. They'll win given enough time. Unless yeah. there's like a massive cataclysmic event that kills them instantly, like getting dropped into a volcano or a bomb going off next to them, like they will get to the point where they will like take over if they can. So, it is pretty neat
1: yeah i mean sliver lord definitely was a surprise i'd have to say like uh-huh. i feel almost a little bad that they're kind of sidelined as much as they are but yeah
0: i, I think they're intensely fascinating though i think so as well and i again like we said there's always the chance that we end up going back to one of the planes that they're on because now they're on two at least possibly three if we ever go to their home plan but oh, yeah they're technically on two to three planes that we know of. So there's a chance we can go back and see them again and get some more information, get some, some more lore about them and, and get a full on story about them. But as of right now, that's pretty much all we got regarding them. And they're just kind of vibing.
1: Yeah, I highly doubt that this is the last that we've seen of Slytherin. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe the last we've seen lore-wise for a long time, just because they seem to be focusing on other areas of the world. And they They seem to be wanting to focus on new planes more rather than going back to old planes yeah, but that's true. Th- with that being said i'm i, I highly doubt they're just going to drop the creature completely like, there will be more slivers brought into the story later whether they're fully integrated into the story or not that's possibly something else but
1: yeah and the cool thing about slivers is that they bring like their own unique flavor to whatever plane that they inhabit absolutely whatever like magic cards set mm-hmm. they're in so and reverse style. I,
0: I will say i do think that they're really neat they feel similar to the flood which we talked about a couple of weeks ago uh if yeah, you want go to listen to that episode
2: yeah i thought the same.
0: yeah they're they're really cool they kind of feel like the flood but they're not like as completely like dominating and like a cataclysmic of a creature as the this hot the flood were like the Flood, they would get onto a planet and they would just wipe out the planet, completely take over and change the entire planet to fit their ecosystem. And they it would just annihilate all of the life on the planet, both like human, both a sentient and just animal and plant life. Everything would get destroyed. The Slivers, they don't really do that necessarily so much. They just kind of adapt and become like the top predator on that planet. And then that's kind of where they just like, all right, we'll just vibe here as like, the highest alpha possible, and the rest of the world can continue doing what they want, we're just gonna be the scariest thing on here, so yeah. like I think it's a pretty cool take on like it's not a apocalyptic event them showing up. they're just like a creature that will be scary but manageable at the same time. so but yeah, I think that'll do it for uh this week for us. Uh, thanks for listening so much. Uh, do you guys have anything to uh, chip in before we uh, close out? I don't want to cut you off if
2: you have some no, last closing thoughts. We love that you guys continue to come back and listening. Uh-huh. We, I'm really enjoying the uh, the community. No matter how slow it's growing, but on TikTok, yeah. doing yeah. great there. Uh, some some cool user
1: interactions, I think,
2: is yeah. what I'm hearing.
1: So and that's really cool.
2: we up and running, so check out that. Yeah. It's and just yeah we're we're really excited we're we're growing and it's it's great we're loving it but
0: we're just happy to be here and glad you're here for it as well so check us yeah. out on twitter like brad said we're uh putting out some uh updates on there and then also tiktok because brad's really diligently just putting out some pretty banger videos and also Quality he's been interacting card. with some pretty fun conversations as well from what i've heard over there uh then also check us out on anything that has uh any podcasting that you've uh, that we got we're on spotify we're on uh apple but if you can do us a favor yeah uh, tell your friends about it you, you know? took the words right out of my mouth are we at do we have a hive mind right now are uh, we communicating
1: uh, is <laughs> is your sliver ability to tell the podcast <laughs> to your friends
0: that is the worst sliver ability but yeah how did you know but man, our podcast would grow so fast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so share it with somebody that you know, uh, maybe somebody who uh, either is really interested in getting into magic or someone you think that was like likes board games or stuff like that. Maybe they've heard about magic and would be interested.
1: I mean, but, if you have that one friend that never plays magic, but used to play magic, this there, might there you be a go. podcast for them.
0: You know, because it's a pretty niche card game. So like maybe they heard about it once upon a time, but like. It is pretty niche, so <laughs> I would understand them not really being all that familiar with it. <laughs> but, otherwise, I think that'll do it for us this week, and uh, we'll catch you next week with another episode.